Hello and welcome to the Wizard's Guide to Peak Performance. I'm your host, Dr. Brian Panko, and throughout this podcast, I, along with my guests, will be giving you hints and habits that can help you achieve your highest performance in life, in sport, and in business. So today I am here with Ian and Melissa Valliere. These guys really don't need an introduction, but I will anyways. They are really bodybuilding's power couple. Both have been uh, on stage at the Olympia and uh, some other really big stages. Ian and Melissa are both uh, based out of Ottawa and uh, very fortunate to be connected with them and have them on today to talk a little bit about uh, their daily, weekly, monthly habits that keep them uh, performing at high levels. Yeah, thanks We've for having We've also got uh, Ellie down here, if you can see her, and Doug. <laughs> it seems this so silly when you second Frenchie <laughs> running <laughs> around somewhere. This is Doug. Doug. He's hiding somewhere. Yeah, she's camera shy. <laughs> they may make some guest appearances. <laughs> so thanks for being on today, guys. It's yeah, awesome to be here with you. And uh, so to start off, usually I just ask uh, if you guys can get into a little bit, and if you guys want to take turns talking about it too, uh, what sort of things you guys do day to day to keep yourselves at the top of the bodybuilding? You answer. The answer? You have much more like. <sighs> I think. I think with anything, in, in when it comes to especially like physique sports, I think the biggest thing to like achieving a high level is just the consistency day to day. I don't think it's like anything above and beyond that's done at any day. I think it's just that you do the exact same thing every day. You know, and I think that's really what yields success. I mean, especially you know when you get amateur clients and even a lot of pros that just aren't very successful with it progressing to the next level. I think the thing is just the inconsistency that holds them back. Right. So it's like, they'll have, you know, they're off season. It's like, they take it like it's just a relaxed time or, you know, they'll have like a week where they're make really good progress. And then they're like, Oh, like, you know, I'm not feeling this week and take a whole week off the gym or, you know, Oh, my appetite's bad today. So I don't eat for a whole day. I think the consistency day in day out is really what, what yields that success in the long term. So, I mean, for me, <clears throat> my days are literally the exact same every day. I mean, without without exception, and they've been that way for over a decade at this point. I mean, I wake up. Um, I mean, right now, I kind of operate on a weird time schedule. You know, like, I wake up at, like, 9.30, 10, and I don't go to bed till like, 3. So, like, I'm kind of, like, shifted <laughs> late in the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wake up, I eat, and I sleep again. So, I'll eat my first meal, like, say... 10.30 to 11.30 kind of thing. You're usually gone. So. <laughs> I have um, no idea. And then I'll go back and usually, you know, toss something on, on Netflix or something and I snap again until my next meal, <laughs> which is usually till like 1.32. And then I'll get up, I'll eat again, and then I'll relax for a little bit more. And then I usually train after my third meal. That's just for me. I like training after. Like I, she trains empty stomach or with little food in her a lot. I can't do that. I find for me to get like effective workouts, I have to have eaten a good amount of food. Just like, well, you also it. tell me not to do that. I just do it anyway. No, but I mean, I know there's a lot of guys that are the big guys like me, you know, top level guys that train after their first meal and are perfectly successful with it. Just me, I, I can't, I don't find I could be as intense in my workout. I mean, Christopher says the same thing. Though. Yeah. Christopher, like, Nausea. Same with you. You kind of get like nauseous. Like yeah, heavy after. First yeah, you just don't like feel the same. It's like you lose that kind of like gusto real quick, you know. So, I really so I usually train at least three. I mean, some days I'll train after two, but for the most part, three meals. Um, 
and then I come home after I train, I did the same thing I did the rest of the morning, <laughs> which is eat and relax. Yeah, you know? but that's why people suck at it. Because people don't want to do this, like, monotonous it's a monotony, thing. Yeah. They want something yeah. to change all the time, you know yes. what I mean? And it takes a lot of patience to do the same thing every day, and not you don't see results, like, day with, you know, day-to-day yeah. day see results. You have to keep doing it, and then, sorry, and then you, and then you <laughs> see results, so... But I think that's really interesting, too, because to, to some extent, I think outside looking in without understanding what goes into it, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who would love to live this lifestyle. It's like, I can mm-hmm. wake up, eat, take yeah, a nap. chill all day. It's eat, like, maybe take another nap. Yeah, eat, play PlayStation Box all day. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> um, like, when you get into that, or, or even when you've been doing that for more than a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and that, for you to perform and for you to look the way you've got to and develop your body the way you need to mm-hmm. like doing that for more than a couple of weeks would drive most people absolutely insane yeah i think that's where a lot of people fall off too i mean I, you know and i i see it all the time obviously even with my coaching right um is you know people and i, I think it's people they're looking for some sort of like excitement in it that isn't there to be had you know like you know it's people always want to try a new training program they want to switch their diet it's like but sometimes the key is in not changing things, you know, yep. and I, I think, I, I think a lot of people make this mistake, especially with training, you know, and I think this is some kind of old myth that's been circulated about like, you know, train your, tra- change your training every week and you yeah, confuse the body or some kind of things. But I find the best progress I've ever made is by getting really good at a, a set of movements, like working with the same set of movements for an extended period of time and maximizing them as much as possible. If I'm changing them every week, how am I going to progress in that movement? You can't progress in one week of a movement, right? So, I mean, for me, like, I'll keep the same movements in my, my program for years at a time sometimes. I mean, until I feel that there's no more, you know, progress to be made in it from whether it's a, a weight standpoint or from a volume standpoint, you know, something is maxed out in that capacity. It's a bunch of crazy dogs. It's too many. I feel bad for everybody who's going to listen to this and not watch it. Yeah. They're kind of losing energy and value of all the crazy dogs. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's where, you know, people are looking for that change all the time. And I think, you know, they need that variety to kind of keep them, to keep their interest in it, which How I think is... How many clients have texted you and be like, I need new training. That's what I was just saying. I'm bored. Can you give me a new training program? I'm like, why the fuck are you bored? Like, yeah. go get stronger. You know what I mean? Like, go, yeah. like... But, and, that's, and that's how, I mean, if you look at some of... You know the the best bodybuilders and some of their big compound movements they're extremely strong in, and that's because they've kept those movements there as their their fundamentals, and they've progressed in those movements for ten years. Yep. You know, if you start your work your you know your chest workout with incline bench every week, you're going to get better at that eventually, and you're going to get really freaking strong at it. You know, where it's like, oh, you do you know this one week, and then another movement another week, and you know machine press and stuff. I think that all the movements have a place. But I think you need to give them ample chance to, to yeah. progress within the set of movements before you just start switching things up willy-nilly just for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think diet's a little different. I mean, I can understand people wanting variety in that, and I think there is a place for variety. I mean, I don't think you need to eat chicken, rice, and broccoli six meals a day. I think that's probably not conducive to being a good bodybuilder. I think that's going to make you not want to eat and I think hate it's dieting. hate like, dieting and I, I think there's and there's no reason that that's necessary you know I mean there's so many different varieties of protein sources and carb sources there you know you can season your food to make it taste good I mean if you spend even a little time in your in your food I think you can make it very interesting 
you know, and, and I think, I mean, even for me, like I eat a different protein source in almost every single one of my meals. So I'm not eating, I only eat chicken once in a day, you know, and then I eat fish, white fish twice in a day. I eat salmon once in a day. I eat red meat. I eat, you know, I eat eggs. So, I mean, there's a lot of variety in there, but I've eaten that same base and those, the, the volume just changes, you know, so the meals are always the same, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the combination and then I just increase in right, right now because it's off season, I'll just increase in. You know, either from the carbohydrate side or the fat side or something to increase the calories so that I'm progressing in that as my body weight adjusts, right? So, yeah. yeah. Well, that was uh, a conversation we had earlier this week that I was kind of surprised to hear that, yeah, the foods from on-season to off-season this year didn't change for you at all. Not really, no. Because no. oh I know a lot of people will go into the off-season diet completely changes. And yeah. So, and this is like touching back to what I said at the very beginning. Like is sloppy people, though. Yes. And I mean, and I've, I've fallen pray to that as well where i've had the mindset of like get anything in at all costs pound the calories and, and i think there is people that have you know met metabolisms where that might be what they need you know i think just getting More like digestive tracts like some people can eat that stuff and feel fine sure and yeah. keep eating other people of can. course i mean i think anyone of you eat enough you'll probably your digestive system will adapt to it in some some oh, you know sense but um, but yeah, I mean, this year, <clears throat> especially, I mean, I've, my meals have remained almost the exact same. I mean, I'm eating, you know, chicken and rice or, you know, fish and rice or salmon and potatoes. And, you know, it's all the same, just the quantities just changed. You know, my protein came down, my carbohydrates came up and fats came up, um, you know, cause obviously when you're eating more carbohydrates, it's a little protein sparing. So you don't need to have your protein quite as high, um, cause the calories are there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, my, my food has stayed virtually the same since you know when I started working with Patrick it's mm-hmm. the same foods and just different quantities that's really all, all it's been right so yeah. yeah yeah and I think that's a really great almost like life lesson too not just bodybuilding but that consistency even if something doesn't work out day one or week mm-hmm. one like managing to stick with it it applies I think a lot more to, to life in general than it would just your situation absolutely yeah and you know, like starting a clinic and starting a business, I found like the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, you try something for marketing and there isn't any traction. I, th- I think it's a good, and, I think it's a good practice of patience for a lot of people. I mean, for me, it naturally, I'm not a very patient person with a lot of things, <laughs> but I think bodybuilding in this aspect has taught me a lot of patience and, and realizing like, you know, things don't come overnight in a lot of aspects. Right. I mean, I've been doing this, you know, consistently for 10 years at least now, probably more. I mean, Am I 28 or down to 29? 29. 29. Jeez. <laughs> so, I mean, I've been doing this for, yeah, I mean, 11, 12 years. I mean, consistently, you know, and I mean, it's obviously I've progressed a lot, but there was never like one year where I just gained like 70 pounds of muscle. I mean, it's been like a slow progression over time. And, you know, and I think one, this is a thing that leads to a lot of health issues for bodybuilders is obviously that like, I want it now. And I mean, we've all been in that mindset. I mean, obviously we want things faster. I mean, that's just human nature, you know. You want things as fast as possible. You want to get to that end goal as fast as possible. Um, but I think bodybuilding especially is just one thing you just can't rush. And I think if you rush it, it back, it goes the opposite way on you. I think you're going to get more health issues. Your physique is going to look different and in a negative way. I mean that. Yep. Um, so I think it's one thing that just has, has really taught me a lot of patience that has transferred over into my, into my day-to-day life, right? You know, I mean, prime example with like pets. You know, I mean, you get dogs and, you know, you're teaching them 
and go outside or potty train, stuff like that. And you, you know, you get frustrated with them, but I think things like this where it's just like, okay, it takes time. You just be patient with them. They learn eventually, you know, you just keep doing the same routine of, you know, they do an accent, you let them outside, you know, kind of teach them the, the routine of it. And eventually they catch on. I mean, it's things like that where, I mean, you know, when I first got my first pets as cats or they do something, I freak out. And now it's like the dogs do an accent on the floor. I'm just like, eh, it's all good. Clean it up, put the dog out, you know, and that's just life. I mean, it's, it's learning and it's patience and, you know, you just kind of got to go with it. Right. Absolutely. So I know for you, it's been, we're over a decade at this point mm-hmm. since you've really been seriously into this with Melissa a little bit less, but when you guys were starting to get seriously into bodybuilding, were there tools you used to help develop that consistency? Because like you said, it's not necessarily natural for us to be as patient as you need to be to succeed. I think How this would be a better that? question for you because you're a little newer into this than I am. It's, well, yeah, I'm asking you to reach back yeah. a decade here. And See, my, I mean, number. for me, I think... Did you even... Okay, well, here. See, this is the thing that's, I think, going to be a little different is because Melissa came into this world, and I mean, I think the answer would be the same for Chris or, or anyone like that as well that came into it because... I'm not even trying to give myself credit on this. They came into it having me already with this experience, right? Yeah. Like I was already a professional bodybuilder, almost professional when we met, you know, I was like already in that world. I've been doing it consistently for a while. And I, I kind of learned my lessons through trial and error myself. Um, you know, like when I started bodybuilding, I didn't have the same tools that we have now. There wasn't like the social media of today where you could, you know, go on Instagram and DM your favorite bodybuilder and be like, hey, what's your split training split? Like, that wasn't a thing. Like, you, you had no access to anything like that. It was, you know, whatever you could find on bodybuilding.com or, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, so for me, it was a lot of trial and error uh, and, and kind of just learning things. And I made a lot of mistakes on the way. I mean, there was times where I was very impatient and did things that I look back now that I shouldn't have done, you know. Um, but obviously, then I learned that and then I was able to kind of pass that information or even not the information just they saw how I operated and I think that kind of transferred into just being the norm you know it's like okay when you diet you diet just cut and dry you know when you do this you do this it's everything was with me was already developed so then they kind of came into it I think they just had me to look at and be like well this is how it's done right you know so I, I think obviously there was learning curves from your own end and how you practice it yourself and things that you did but I think you already had me to look into it you there, know? there's almost like <coughs> you start and like I watched him prep for his first show when I was his girlfriend, and it was routine, like not a single cheat, like everything was weighed out, and that was normal. So I just thought that's how everyone dieted for a bodybuilding show. Exactly. I was, like you don't have a cheat meal, you don't, like that wasn't a thing. So when I dieted for my first show, that's what it was. And I still remember talking to other girls that were competing, and they'd be like, well, like I had a cracker yesterday. And I was like, is that on your diet? Why like, would you no. do that? And I was like, why would you eat it? And it was just like... The, because was, she had seen me and I, I'm crazy. extremely hardcore when so, it comes to dieting. He is, and there's a yeah. reason, you know, he's on the Olympics. 100%. Like that, but. So I, my first show, it was almost like I didn't really have to think about it because you just blind faith. He's coaching yeah. me and I just do whatever he says and it works. And then you almost have to relearn after your first show. <laughs> Because now you're doing it, and you're following the same rules, and you're now like, I'm not changing as fast as I was last time, or like something, and then you have to relearn to trust the process and to be patient. And it, it's it like, also can go the other way, which I've had the experience of, is when I've been, when I started off, I did things like so hardcore, like the first couple shows I did before I met her, like when I was competing as a junior, like it was like, I would diet 12 weeks straight on zero carbs, and when I say zero, I wouldn't eat like green vegetables, because they have like trace carbs, like 
Anything that I could read on a label that had even one gram of carb, I wouldn't eat it. And I would do like insane amounts of cardio. I was just thinking, I was like, what can I do to be the best, you know, <laughs> eat no carbs, eat lots of protein. So I would eat, I think I read in one article that Jay Cutler back in the day when he won, won the first Olympia, he only ate white fish because it like gets you super dry. So I only ate white fish and I ate no carbs and did like two hours of cardio a day. So then obviously when I realized that that was excessive, then when I got into my next prep, so I was like, oh, well, I can get away with a little more, you know, like, oh, I can do this. Like I never was like cheating on my diet, but like you feel like you can get away with little things here and there that maybe you wouldn't have tried in the first one because out of fear of failure. But now you're like, you know, testing the limits of like what you can get away with and still look really good. And then sometimes it went, so it's like you do too much of the stuff you're not going to do and you don't end up looking your best. And then you kind of over 10, 15 years, you find that happy medium of, okay, this is what I need to do. This is the amount I need to, you know, put my body through. Um, and I think that's kind of where I've found that happy medium. I'm, I still don't ever cheat on diet, but you know, there's points now where I can diet hard and then there is, you know, designated refeed meals or stuff like that. Right. But, um, you know, these were things that I kind of learned over time. Right. So, well, you, my first three shows, so my, my regional level show in Sudbury, then I did provincials then I did nationals. You did not give me a single designated cheat meal mm-hmm. for those three. Preps. And, and, and also this was because when I was, I worked with the first coaches I worked with. I never got them. them. So I was just, I I had never done them in my life. Like when I prepped myself for my first show or two, Mm -hmm. I was like, this isn't a thing you do. When you die, you die. Like Mm -hmm. cheating is cheating. It's Mm -hmm. like you're doing a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do it. And then when I worked with Greg Doucette for my, for, for when I started, when I met you, that was 2013, 14, 15. That's what I'm saying. He never gave you. He still doesn't. Um, I don't believe. So, you know, that like stuff like that. So I was just like my whole world had been like cheat meals are bad you don't have this you know yeah you diet for six months it doesn't matter how long it is you're not going out for dinner once in no. those six months no and it doesn't even matter if you're ahead either no it doesn't no. matter it doesn't matter if you're ahead you still don't like have yeah. you know refeeds or cheat meals or anything you just keep pushing you can always be leaner you know yes. which i've learned now obviously and the bigger i've got you yeah. have to be yeah the more tissue and more tissue has, you have you need to be way that. more careful because like i could easily diet myself down like 20 pounds less than I need to lose be. all your tissue. Yeah. And they just yeah. turn into a flat, like little pretzel, you know, yeah. um, which would look terrible. Uh, but, but, but I have done for sure. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, as I've got bigger, you definitely have to be a little more open to the idea of eating off the diet when it's designated, yeah. you know? So. Well, I, I get, I kind of like the concept of, uh, being your own scientist too. Like, yeah. You know, be consistent with what works obviously, but also don't, necessarily afraid especially in the early stages to see what is going to work for you and play with it because you know you can only ever get better that way yeah um so i said i I think this is a thing that a lot of people never get to really delve into is is because i think they go their first show and now with the very like social media driven world they see there's so many coaches online there's so many resources there they hire a coach their first show they never really like test things out for themselves. And, you know, some people now, I mean, they will work out for six months, never been training, get into the gym, six months, hire a coach and do their first show. So they've never even had like a stage of experimenting with training on their own or dieting on their own. It's kind of just like right into the dictating of what a coach told you. And you don't really know like your body at all. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and, and even, I don't think there's anything wrong with hiring a coach right off the bat. I advise it. Um, but it's, it's also difficult because you don't even know how to give appropriate feedback to the coach. Yeah. Right. Because if the coach is like, do you feel flat? Do you feel full? Do you feel this? You know, you don't know because you've never kind of 
run the, that course and, and experiment to know how you're feeling at the time you're feeling it, yeah. you know? So I think you kind of had to, you know, run the gambit on those a bit to, to kind of know how you're feeling. And you know, I think that's something you can really just experiment on your own with, right? Do you remember when I won my first pro show? Virginia? Day, yeah. Do you remember the night before? No. Oh my God. <laughs> I, 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 I carved up clean all the time. Like that was dirty eating wasn't an option for me and the night before Virginia he was like you want to try and have a burger and I was like no he's like why not and I was like what if it ruins everything he's like what if it's awesome and I was like oh my god you're fucking crazy did we do it yeah we did yeah. we went with my mom and dad and oh yeah we did K- yes, yes yeah I remember yeah and then the next morning we woke up and he was like You're funny enough. You're not the only person to tell me that actually. Yeah. So Luthi, obviously, you yeah. met Ajwan, yeah. who won Mister Canada, yeah. I think, 2010. His story of winning that was that he more or less same thing. He said he like he overdid it the night before, yeah, and then realized like, oh shit, I probably just overdid it, yeah, and then tried to rebound the next morning, yeah. to get harder and drier than yeah. he normally would have tried. And he said he walked on stage and was just like. Else looks fat today. Yeah. <laughs> then he looks, he's like, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat. <laughs> well, I mean, this and is even by like... the time he realized, sorry, just that, like, it wasn't that everybody else looked fat, it you was were just that like, he was so unbelievably yeah. peeled. That yeah. I mean, this is even the, the, like, yeah. the super, um, like, I don't know, famous story, but the, the, the Ronnie Coleman story um, with the Kevin LeBron. Have you heard this one? I, I don't know how much, like, truth there is to it. And Kevin tells a little bit different than Ronnie, and who knows, but the, the, just the premise of it is that. Ronnie had been competing with these guys for a while before he was ever Mr. Olympia. I mean, he was placing last place in some Olympias and, you know, he was like being eighth, seventh, you know, and I guess it was one year after the Olympia and they were doing the European tour, which is a string of shows they would have, you know, basically shows every weekend, you know, and they go from like Prague to Spain, whoever, you know, <clears throat> and they were doing the show and, um, you know, Ronnie was like typical bodybuilder like me, where he was just like super like hardcore. If you can't have anything off and you can't do this and it's got to be perfect. You know, and then he was hanging out with Kevin Lavrone, <clears throat> who was a little more seasoned at this point, and just a little more like a free spirited kind of guy, you know. Um, <clears throat> and he, they were hanging out in his room, and uh, and Kevin's like, it was the night before the show, and Kevin's like, hey Ronnie, like, you know, have a shot of vodka, and then, and Ronnie's like, vodka, like we're competing, more. you can't be oh, drinking yeah, drinking alcohol, you know, like this is crazy. So, so whatever, you know, one thing to the next, and you know, he convinces him to have. A little bit of vodka. Ronnie gets a little bit of booze in him. And then he wakes up the next morning, smashes all these guys in the show. Never beaten any of them before. And then he goes on to win the Olympia in, I guess, whatever the first one he won was, 98. Uh, and then never lost again. And I, I don't know. Obviously, the wine doesn't have anything to do with the, the vodka. vodka uh, I think has very little to do with it. I think it was just like the opening himself up to, like, new things and, you know, kind of just like going out on a limb and, and trying something different, right? And I think it just opened him up to like a different world of like, okay, we don't have to do exactly what you think. You know, there's other yeah. options here. We can try different things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a, a funny story that, you know, it's like the, the start of the best bodybuilder of all time, you know? Yeah. yeah. You have to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you don't try, you don't know, you know? Yeah. And you also usually have like an instinct, like you have a guttural thought that like is telling you to do something. Mm-hmm. And if you're too scared to ever follow that, because like, oh, it's we've always done it this way. It's always been like this. Like, you're gonna miss out on some some good shit, probably. You know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So another question I had for you guys, and this one's gonna probably be a little more directed at Ian. Uh, Ian, obviously, being now one of the top coaches, having sure 
Coach uh, Chris Bumstead through mm-hmm. his Olympia title. Um, and coaching a fair few very competitive amateur bodybuilders that are going through, and uh, was it Brandon Coop that won? Brandon Cooper just won, yeah. Won his pro card this year. Nationals USA's. I always get them confused. I can't remember which of the two of us played on. There's two of them, but it's a big deal yeah. in the US, yeah. So. But so taking people through from the amateur ranks into the pro ranks, mm-hmm. how do you work with somebody on, because a lot of these people have day jobs, mm-hmm. right? They don't get to live that necessarily pro bodybuilder life where you can structure it that way. Yeah. How as a coach do you help somebody structure their day? So give a shit about what their day is. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't. And I, <laughs> he doesn't. I, that I have to, you have to leave on the athlete in terms of their will and to make things work. You know, because I can suggest, I can make suggestions and I do make suggestions. And, you know, I've had people that work shift work or they work nights and this and this. And, you know, you can make so many things, you know, tailored as much as you can. But at the end of the day, it's, it has to be what they're going to do, you know. So, yeah, really, I mean, it, I don't think there's like a, a direct answer to that. I mean, for for someone like Brandon, I mean, you know, it's really just I lay the plan out and he he makes it work, you know, around around his schedule. He's I mean, also not an excuse maker, though. Have you ever no. had clients that are like? Yeah, of course, but those people don't turn pro. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I mean, it's that's the thing is people that want it make it work. And if I send them a diet with six meals in the day, and it's like, you know, they, you know, it's tough because their schedule and they don't get a lunch break or this and that, they just make it work. You know, whether it's they need to eat in the car cold meals while they're driving from one spot at work to another, or they need to, you know, shove it down at the gym at six o'clock in the morning or something like these people that want to get to that level, they just do what it takes to succeed. Um, You know, I I think that's, that's really the, the defining feature of it. Yeah, just, yeah, you were. Competing. I ate a lot. She was in the at school car. and and working a Lululemon, managing a Lululemon for a while. Yeah, I ate a lot in the car and I ate on the bus. Yeah. And I don't know. It just again, he's right. It's just not an option. Yeah. You just do it. That's you the want. thing is, you have to think of it as not being an option. You know, you have to think of it just like anything in, with the meals and stuff like that. It's just this is what I have to do to succeed, and there's no, there's no other solution it's just you get it done no matter what but like if you think about like humans and like if they're committed to something like if you have a job you're not gonna like not show up to work when you have a shift that starts at nine if you're gonna commit to your if you're if you're that committed to your goal to getting your pro card or whatever your goal is you're gonna do it you're gonna make it work and it's not it's not no one's there holding you accountable like clocking in clocking yeah, out, I mean, or like no, obviously you not cheat on your diet no but you learn to hold yourself accountable because... I mean, and there'll be circumstances where obviously, you know, certain things have to be changed. Like if someone doesn't, like literally just doesn't. Say they have do meetings in the afternoon and they can't, you know, you need to make adjustments. You know, say do a meal as a shake because they can drink that quicker and get it down versus, a, you know, a solid food meal. Or, you know, say they have like a six-hour period where they can't. Okay, well, then you do some bigger meals after that to kind of mm-hmm. make up for, you know, like... There's things, always solutions. There's always solutions, you know. And I mean, it's that's going to be very individual, person-to-person, case-by-case, but... Um, you know, for the most part, I think I've never had anyone really. But the thing is, there's never going to be like a logistical issue in someone's life that you can't solve. There is going to be people that are like, that aren't I, was willing too, to solve it. I was too tired to eat my last meal or I was too tired to go to the gym. And Ian, as he said, that's not his job to solve. That's not my job to no. solve that. 
But if you're going to say, I can't eat for six hours at a time, what should we do? He's going to be like, okay. This is what we can do. Either we do a shake or the meal before and the meal after is going to be higher. Yeah, or say, or say based on their schedule, they can only get five meals in. Okay, well, we take what the macronutrients we're going to have in the six. We divide it into five. Your meals might be a little bigger. Um, but if that's what needs to be done, it needs to be done, right? So, I mean, there's always going to be a solution to it. Um, you know, it just is really knowing the person and, and making sure that they – and this is a thing that – especially at this point, and I take very few clients at a time at this point in my life. Like I, it's hard to manage with my own competing. And this is a thing that, especially when I take clients, I'm very picky of like making sure I know their personality type before I take them on as a client, right? You know, because you talk to someone, ask a few questions, you can really figure out if they're going to be the complainer or if they're going to be, you know, the, oh, what was me kind of person or not. And I, I think at this point, I've really gone away from that and I take Absolutely. people that I think are have the mindset and, and the will to succeed I mean maybe that's like cherry picking but that's really well, that's how what it is I mean I, I don't want people that are I'm going to have to babysit all day you know I don't want people that aren't going to put the same kind of effort in it that I think you need to or that I would I mean you know I mean if I meet someone I think that they're you know not willing to do what it takes well why am I wasting my time as well as theirs you know but if I think they they have that motivation then I'll be more than happy and not to cut your coaching short, Melissa, because I know I've been super, super impressed with a lot of your athletes that I've seen too. Um, but you know, wanting to talk about that with you. I mean, do you find it similar for your athletes though? Where you? Uh, no, <laughs> she I, works with a lot more lifestyle. Listen, now. I do a lot. I I find that I work with a lot of girls that don't even compete. Okay, uh, I don't take non-competitive clients anymore. So I, I have uh, one or two, but they're, yeah, they're friends. Like, I find like. I'm very passionate about like empowering women throughout like their self image and their body image. So like if I'm going to work with a girl that like is too tired to go to the gym or cheat on her diet because she had a bad day at work, like I'm going to empathize and work with you on how to get past those barriers. I'm not going to like, he's a professional bodybuilding coach. He's going to be like, fuck you. Go do something else. I'm working with you to figure out why you're doing that and try to get you where you want to be. So it's a very different, Mm -hmm. like his job as a coach and my job as a coach are so different. I obviously have competitive athletes too that are like. But with those competitive athletes, you would treat them more like I do, where it's kind of a more like, this is more black and white. And you were at the, 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 the yeah. competitors that are doing like national level shows. Yeah, with someone yes. like Tori, that's how you Someone doing their first show, I'm still probably way more empathetic with them than you would be. <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think, and you also have to read the person, you know, like different people require different types of motivation, you know, like how someone, you know, gives Melissa, a, you know, a type of motivation versus me to you is all going to be very different. Mm-hmm. You know, people need to hear different things mm-hmm. and, and you need to talk to them in different ways to kind of help them to succeed. I mean, like for me, I'm very... I mean, you'd probably be better at answering this question than I am with, like, myself, you know. Wait, how hard you are on yourself? Or like, what, with me with, people? no, with me with coaches, like, what I need, you know. Like, how I am, it's like, I, I don't take criticism very well without reading into it way too much, you know. So, like, I know when I worked with Matt, like, Matt got very good at, like, kind of tiptoeing around, like, how he would say certain things, you know, like, to kind of say something positive with, like, throwing in the thing we need to work on in a very, like, subtle, light way, you know. Where it's like, but me, I have some clients where I would just be like, straight up like, yo, you look like shit, you know? <laughs> where like, if Matt said that to me, like, my life would be crushed, you know? <laughs> so it's like, you, you need to kind of find, you know, the, the things that are going to make, you know, fire that person up and make them succeed the most. And it's going to be very different person to person, right? Yeah. You know, where someone like Chris, when I coach Chris, I'm 
brutally honest with Chris. I don't know if that's the best way, but I feel like we've done pretty good, so it must not be not working. I mean, maybe he goes and cries about it after, no. but he gets in there and he d- d- does business. So it's like, I don't really give a shit at this point. You know, it's like we won Olympia, so like I obviously can't be doing that bad of a job. But I mean, with Chris, straight up, like he'll send me pictures, and sometimes I'm just like, shit, man, like we got to really change something here. Like this is not looking good, you know? I mean, yeah. and he, he, he knows. I mean, most of the time he's not oblivious to it. I think when you're competing at that level, you kind of know where you stand. You know, I think. No one gets that level by being completely oblivious to what they they have, you know. It's just like when you see people online, like I'll post a picture or something that you'd be winning the Olympia if you just improved your back. It's like, yeah, do you, do you think I don't know of all people that I need to improve my back? It's like, oh, now I know. Thanks, man. Like, now I'm going to go work on my back just because you told me. That one Instagram. Yeah, that one guy, changed he changed it all. Now, my whole mindset has changed. It's like, we're our hardest critics, you know, like if, yeah. if we know first, I mean, and we're trying our best to improve these things. Um, it's just, yeah, how you go about it, right? So. Sometimes I wonder why people do that. What? I like, happenies, <laughs> like they just want to be a part of it. You know, they want to be like close to you. They want to be a part of like making you better. And then the other part is just like, no, you just want to find something bad to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like all the people that are always like, you don't have a butt. No, no booty or like yeah. no bum and it's you're like yeah i bum. know i'm like do you think i actually never train like my like yeah. posterior chain and that's why it looks like that it's just like that and i just don't train i actually I don't, don't care. care like yeah. i'm just gonna let it be like this yeah. like, <laughs> that's it just whatever you know? oh. i train all my good parts and none of my bad ones yeah you know? that's it it's just, <laughs> literally yeah. the complete opposite actually yeah that's definitely a thing and then uh i get last question i'll throw you guys for the night because you guys are in a somewhat unique space in the mm-hmm. bodybuilding world that you guys have actually prepped for the Olympia, like the highest level show mm-hmm. you can compete at uh, together. How mm-hmm. did you find that? I mean, I, I don't think the Olympia prepping together was much different. And if anything, I think it would be easier to prep together for that than any other show. Because at that point, you have a very different level of motivation. I think... You're very emotionally <laughs> Yes. Okay. This is what, that's where I was going with this. I think the level of pressure at the Olympia for us, at least at this point is very different. You know, when I go into Toronto pro, I'm going in that with like, I have to win this show. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I go into Tampa, I go any other show. It's like the goal here is to win. Mm-hmm. I'm not being unrealistic with myself. when I think I'm not going to win the Olympia, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, in this current time. You know, the times I've done it. Maybe I will. gets better. You know? Yeah. So if I listen to that guy on Instagram. Train your back. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't train it. I just do arms and shoulders all day. That's all I do. Um, but For the record, your arms are the size of my legs. Yeah. Actually, probably bigger than I my know. legs. So We've done this before. I think they were bigger than yours. When I, they're much bigger than yeah. my legs when I we were dieted. dieted. Yeah. I think they were as big as my waist when I was dieting. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Sorry, so you know that when you're, you're going into the Olympia... Oh, yeah. So you, you, you're almost, like, at peace with it because the pressure is so much lower. You just want to be your best and, like, have a good showing and enjoy the experience. At least that's where I was when I did it uh, in 2018. I think the entire Open category at the Olympia this past year felt like that, too. <laughs> it seemed that way with the, the quality of some guys. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just didn't... I didn't feel <laughs> the same pressure. I think if I was to do it again... There would be the pressure to obviously surpass my placing from the first time, but I had no precedent, no like standards set for myself at that point. You know, I had goals that I think if I hadn't achieved, I would have been upset. Um, you know, my, my goal for the first one was I just wanted to get a placing. So if you're, for people that don't know, 
uh, at the Olympia, if you place in the top 15, you're like 14, 15, but then after 15, it's just 16, 16, 16, 16. So if there's 30 guys in the show, everyone after 15, it's just 16, you know, they don't judge those guys as, as placings. So my goal was just to get a placing. I just wanted to be in the top 15 guys in the world, which I accomplished. Um, and that was just really all I had set out to. If I had been in the 16s, I probably would have been kind of upset about it, you know, and you kind of had that feeling of like, oh, maybe I don't belong here, you know, but I proved to myself that I did belong. I beat guys that win shows every year and that I thought were, you know, in my mind before that, I thought I wouldn't beat, you know, guys like Juan Morel or Michael mm-hmm. Lockett, you know, guys that I hadn't beat before, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I think that was a big proving thing for myself. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a very different, different kind of motivation. Cause I don't think you're less motivated going into the Olympiad by any means. Cause you obviously, the stage is bigger and there's a lot more eyes on you and you want to, you know, you know, you're in front of the biggest judges that it counts the most and you want to leave a good impression. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the pressure is, is much lower. I mean, when I go into like, I know Toronto pro last year, like I ate myself alive in pressure. And I think that's probably a lot of the reason why I, I mean, what I would say is one of my lesser looks. Um, I didn't look bad by any means. I just, I knew I was capable of much more. That show is an example where I think it would have been bad for us if I had been prepping at the same time as him. And you made that choice to not do it, though. Yes, I did. And he, because there was so much pressure on him and that he put on himself and he wanted to win it so bad that he... He was like it was spilling onto everyone around him. Mm-hmm. So if I was trying, to, if I was trying to get ready for the show and he was spilling that stress and pressure onto me, it's I like would just have gotten pissed at him. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> I was not getting ready for that show, so I was able to just be like, "I don't care. It's okay. Yeah. Well, it's fine." Well, like I didn't get upset at him once because I didn't have. I didn't think he was ruining my focus for a show. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had been doing it. But we've had this happen before. Like we did Vancouver Pro before, where like I was super hard on myself and I didn't place quite where I wanted, and I like destroyed myself. And you had competed in it as well. I hadn't even gone on stage yet. Yeah. And he came off stage, and it was he, my whole focus, excitement. That to was twenty sixteen, right? Ruined. That was the twenty sixteen. No. Twenty eighteen. It was twenty eighteen. I came forth, and you came forth, because he came off stage, and he was so unhappy, and then everything was ruined. I, could, I couldn't even focus on going on stage myself because he was so upset. When I look back to that show now, I thought I was, like, happy with it, but I remember at the time I was As the night show, you were. Oh, yeah, because I... But pre-judging, oh, my good Lord. Good. And so when things like that happen, it's hard to do the same shows. Yeah. I don't like doing the same shows as him anymore. We we really haven't much anymore. No. Well, I mean, yeah, since I've known you guys, you haven't. So. Yeah. We did uh, Vancouver together. 2018. 2018. That was it that year. And then we, we went separate ways. He went to Spain. I went to LA. I went to Tampa. I went to Tampa by myself because I was like, I need to nail this show. Well, that absolutely yeah. worked out as well as it could have yes. during that time too. And then we did the Olympia together. And, and you'd done Toronto Pro early in that year that I didn't do. Yeah, you didn't and do I did, that in, I did Indy. Yeah. You did Orlando. So yeah. we kind of kept all the shows separate. So like prepping just... together is very nice as a couple. Yeah, prepping together is ideal in my mind. And I, I think I've encountered... Amateur clients, or even professional clients, I keep saying amateur, but just clients. I don't coach a lot of pros intentionally, but... Um, you have three now. That's a lot. Yeah. I, I try not to, because I find them hard to work with. <laughs> but, um, well, you keep doing the you set them up with. No, not, not, not you guys. Not you guys. Not Brandon. No one like that. I'm just saying, 
the ones I know. It's himself. Like, He's talking about himself. Well, yeah. and I, I do actually specifically remember Christopher having me take pictures and send them to Ian and asking Ian for Chris to have a cheat at one point. Yeah. It's <laughs> but no, yeah, that's a whole other thing we're getting into in meantime. But what I was trying to what was I saying again? Oh, prepping together. Um, you know, I think a lot of people uh, struggle with it because I think there's, I don't even know why, to be honest, because we've never really had that. What? Like when people do like two, like other couples do shows together and they struggle with it. Uh, I think sometimes you just get angry at each other. Yeah. I think people just get testy and stuff. Me and him don't really take that kind of stuff out on each other. But it's... There's stress that like he'll lean on me for that sometimes will like be heavy on my shoulders or probably vice versa, especially Mm -hmm. you as my coach. But, like, we would never be, like, hungry and, like, be mean to each no. other. We, like, still love each other so much that that would not happen. Yeah. I think other couples, I'm not saying they don't love each other, but I think you hear about them, like, being, he didn't take out the garbage and I'm so tired and I'm, so, like, you yeah. hear that stuff when they're prepping I together. think social media obviously causes a lot of issues for people as well that we don't really want oh that to get involved that's in just, a relationship. That's but, bullshit, well, You know? Yeah, but... Really, my point was, I think it's much easier to do together because, one, you have a common goal, and two, it's not like, I'm out eating McDonald's while she's, like, at home eating, like, fish and rice, you know? It's like, so you're, you kind of have that, like, same, you know, goal towards everything. You're kind of on the same page with stuff. You know, it's not like one person's like, oh, I want to go see a movie and eat popcorn next to you while you can't, you know? It's like, so you're kind of in the same page, and everyone can kind of be equally unhappy together. <laughs> no, I mean, I enjoy prep. We're so not unhappy. Right? I, I'm, more, I'm more happy doing prep yeah, than I am in time not, of year. So. I don't think we're the people. I just said that as a joke. People usually be. talk about prep that way. Um, I feel like people are like, how are you so hungry? Or how are you so happy you're prepping? I'm like, I'm choosing to do this. I mean, this for me. This is a very exciting time. For like, me, when I prep, it's the, like the most productive, happy time I have in the year. Because when I'm off season, like I'm eating so much food, I'm always so tired. <laughs> And, like, I get nothing done because I, like, sleep half the day and maybe meals take me an hour to eat. I mean, it's very hard to be productive when you're, like, slugged down by food and constantly eating all day, you know? So, it's, like, my off-season really, that's all my life can be about. You know, when you get into prep, I can eat my meals super quick. You know what I mean? You know, it's it's just you're not yeah, slugged down because you're you – know? Let's be honest. Your off-season is probably more regimented than the average person's – This year especially, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, it's, absolutely. it's a completely different mindset. Oh, that's um, it's uh, probably me getting the – Get off stage. <laughs> <laughs> they start playing the music. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean it's yeah, we've never had any issues really when we've done them together. That I can think of. <laughs> what are you ruining your day? <laughs> That's such a there we go. general huge statement. You know? <laughs> Just ruin my, my show day. day. Oh, the Trump, Vancouver. No, you know, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's not going to be without its own challenges, but. Yeah, but I mean, that's just life. that's just relationships that's just, in life. I, mean, that's exactly. just trying to I think these things, two lives most of these things that happen, would happen just as much well, without body knowing. It's like it's not, you know. I think anyone's going to have issues. And I think a lot of people are quick to Don't throw shit. it on, you know. And I, I think this is an issue that you get with a lot of people, where it's like one person is a competitor and one's not, and they like to kind of throw the blame on. It's like. Because you're doing this, I don't want you to do this. Because you know you put all your energy and time into this, and it's like you know it, it's it is a very selfish sport, but it's not selfish with like intent of being you know. Yeah, but completely different, like whole different conversation. Yeah. When you start blaming in relationships, that's just when that's you start to fight all the time, right? Yeah. You shouldn't be blaming anyone for anything. Yeah, that's true. You just yeah. 
together and you're supporting <laughs> each other and shit gets sour sometimes and that's okay. Yeah. That's there we life. go. That's a, I think a good dose of life relationship <laughs> <laughs> bodybuilding or drinking yeah. advice in one, uh, one good episode. Yeah. I think here's probably a good point to leave it. Sure. Um, yeah. If for some reason anybody listening or watching isn't already following these guys, IFBB Ian on Instagram and that's I-A-I-N. Yes. <laughs> and Melissa Bum on Instagram. Um, yes. Yeah. Melissa Bum. Check him out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And I will see you guys next week. Cool.